And the more I study the scripture and the more I hear the misuse of of the word faith as a force within you rather than a father who is faithful to you. I want you to understand my perspective is coming from years of Bible study and years of walking with the Lord. It's not coming from a three-year crash course, and I, I, I would enjoy three years of Bible study. I, I, I meet with a man, have been meeting for eight, eight years now and counting uh, with uh, three other pastors and ministers from three, three, three different denominational persuasions. We've got, a, we've got a Baptist pastor that I think has become Bapticostal. Since we've been meeting, something rubbed off on him, Amen. And we've got a uh, we've got a, a minister. I guess originally from Kojic, is it C O uh, or A M E African Methodist Episcopal uh, Methodist Church is going through a split right now, and I praise God for it. The only hope for part of it surviving is to stay with the scriptures and not go with the flow of the culture and the world. So some some things are important that we don't follow and go along with, and they have decided to split into two different denominations and because of issues that are 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 anti well it just you got to tear pages out of the bible to keep going with the culture and we're not going to do that thank god some of them are not going to do that either hallelujah but in in meeting with them uh and 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 talking with them we have a man who has a a, a degree from dallas theological seminary one of the premier Baptist seminaries, uh, but he is Pentecostal, <laughs> but he went to a Baptist cemetery, uh, cemetery I'm sorry, <laughs> seminary. I don't mean to be facetious, I just am. Can you say, <laughs> well, I must mean to be. But he's a, he's a man that believes in the fullness of the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Got the third generation son of Baptist ministers, and he is spirit-filled, amen, and, uh, and speaks in other tongues as the Spirit gives him utterance, brother, and we're grateful for him. So we're, we're, we're meeting together, but God is moving. And this one particular man, a very good friend that let us use his church for a year with no charge at all, where we met together, uh, he uh, he said he's he's talking. I keep telling him. I said, man, man, man. I can't get over you. He'll start his message and say, but the Lord told me, the Holy Spirit told me, don't preach that. Preach this. And I said, boy, you better watch out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. No, he's not watching out. He said, I, I, I want to go with what God shows me. I, I'm, and he is in Bible school at this time. Uh, he's almost my age, but he's furthering uh, his biblical training. But he's not training. But he's being more moved by the Holy Spirit than anything the professor is teaching him. In fact, they had an opening for a professor to, uh, at the Bible, particular Bible school, and uh, he asked me, would I consider coming? He said he would love to have me teach there. And I told him, I said, and after all of these years, I told him, I said, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not qualified to be a professor at a Bible college. And he said, 
you you don't have a degree. I said, I have never been to Bible college. There is a Church of God college called Lee College, uh, Bible college for the Church of God ministers. And uh, uh, I told him I didn't go to Lee College. I went to Knee College. I had to get down and pray about it and say, Lord, show me what this means because I don't have a clue here. But I found out some things. One of the things I found out down through the years, uh, I found out that the commandments he's talking about... He said he commanded men everywhere to repent in the New Testament. And keeping his commandments is not being sinlessly perfect. It is being committed in our heart to a life of obedience. Everybody will struggle with that because you have to crucify the flesh in order to be obedient to the Lord. You have to deny yourself. That's part of what that means in order to take up your cross, which means to crucify your flesh. That means to overrule and override your normal tendencies of your flesh in order to obey Jesus. You have that new heart as it is written, saith the Lord, part of the new covenant was, I will take away the heart of stone and I will replace it with the heart of flesh. And he said, I will no more write my laws upon tablets of stone, but I'll actually write it upon the hearts of those who have come to know Christ as their savior. And actually, it would provoke the Orthodox Jew trying to keep the commandments in in a self-righteous failure state, according to the Bible. He said, I want to provoke you to jealousy because the Gentiles, and this is a positive thing, seeing the value of redemption and salvation through the blood of Jesus. He said, because the Gentiles are doing by nature. A new heart has been placed inside. They're doing by nature that that is contained in the law. Actually, the Ten Commandments can be fully kept by keeping only two. The Bible said there's two commandments on which hang all of the law and the prophets. You know what they're about? They're about love. Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Because if you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet what he has. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. So you don't need a thou shalt murder to keep you from killing the person you love. Amen. And that's quite all right. I've done it before. Amen. I get get the tickle in the throat, and you just have to clear it. Go ahead and clear it because I'm anointed. Nothing's gonna nothing's gonna distract me. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't claim a lot, but that's one thing I claim. Praise God. And it's okay. You're in. You're among friends here today. Praise God. And God loves you today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had it happen at a funeral. That's a bad place for it to happen, but it happens sometimes. Blessed are they who keep his commandments that they may have the right to walk through the gates into that city. Amen. The right to do that by repenting of our sin, receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Praise God. I'm glad I found out what that's all about. I found out that we're going to go there after all. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk about redemption for just a little while today. Look at Romans 3 and verse 24 for just a few moments. 
It says being justified. I want to stop right there. I have to stop so often when I begin to read the scripture, teach the word of God. Being justified. That's a forensic term. It's for a courtroom. It means that you have been acquitted. The Bible said God is just and a justifier of them that have believed on Jesus Christ as their Savior. How can he be a just God, adjudicating justice in his holiness, and still justify people that have broken every one in some term? Oh, you say, I've never murdered anybody. Well, the Bible said if you hate your brother without cause, amen, you're a murderer. In that spiritual sense of it. The Bible said all of the commandments are like a chain. There's ten links in the chain. And he that offends, listen to this, in one point, one link breaks. You can have a ten link chain big enough to pull a semi. But you can't pull a Volkswagen with it if one link breaks. Can you say amen? And he that offends in one point... One point is guilty of the whole law. As far as God is concerned, your relationship with him is broken through one sin. And yet this God wants a relationship with you so bad that he would give his son to take your punishment and mine so that he could have that relationship with us and we could be saved. How many has offended in at least one point? Amen. Then you need to be justified. And the Bible said not only was he crucified for our forgiveness, but he was raised from the dead for our justification. Some people kind of put that in practical terms and say, just as if I had never sinned. See, the great thing about God, what he does when he redeems you, he doesn't just forgive your sin. He gives you Christ's righteousness. If he just forgave your sin, you're forgiven. But that's not enough. Because even in your forgiven state, you're still not holy enough for a holy God to justify you. Amen? In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a beautiful picture of this kind of. And, 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 and the, the man of God is standing interceding for Israel. But to represent their sin, he's wearing soiled garments. He's, he's, he's just dirty. He's, his garments are filthy. And God says, bring hither a change of raiment. Bring him a change of raiment. See, the enemy showed up too, and he was pointing out, this man interceding, he's, he's, he's wearing dirty garments, filthy garments. And God says, well, I, gotta, I've, I, I realize that. Bring him a change of raiment. The Bible said being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, no matter how many times we wash our robes in, in all the good moral intentions of changing things and cleaning up, we can never get clean enough. The only thing that can take out sin's deep scarlet stains is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? When God justifies, it's a drop the mic thing according to Romans chapter 8. Who shall lay anything once he does that? Once that transaction occurs, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is going to be able to point their finger at someone that God has justified and charge them that they're not worthy of Christ, they're not worthy of heaven? Well, we have an accuser, don't we? At least one we know of spiritually, the greatest one of all. Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12 says, Now is our accuser cast down that accuse them before God day and night. The devil is relentless. And we can't defeat the accuser by being so perfect there's nothing to accuse us for. If you think you can do that, you don't need the blood of Jesus. You don't need grace. And you never need forgiveness. And the Bible tells us in 1 John that if we say we have no sin, it's not that we are sinners. Sin shouldn't be reigning in us. But I'm not perfect. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You may know someone you think is. My Bible said there is none righteous. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous and it's reiterated. No, not one. You may have had a grandma like my grandma, Meemaw. She was the one. She was the most giving, sweet, loving, kind person. But she can't go to heaven on her giving, sweet, kind personage. Only the blood of Jesus can qualify her to walk through that gate and go into that holy city. It takes a holiness beyond anything that man can produce in and of himself, no matter how resolved he is to live it out and walk it out. It takes justification. It takes God's forgiveness. It takes the application of the blood of Jesus into that life. Friend of mine, I'm glad he's set up that way. I'm glad I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm glad it's a gift of God. I'm glad that there, it's not of works. It doesn't mean we're off the hook for being obedient. We should be. There's chastisement if we are not. But one thing is absolutely clear and certain. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that redemption that is in him, we have been justified. And the highest court in heaven has declared you not guilty in his sight. So the Bible said in Romans 8, and this is going to disarm some of you that want to point fingers. Remember when you point fingers you're joining up with somebody and you really don't want to be in cahoots with him can you say man now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused them before god day and night and they overcame him by becoming so morally perfect so perfect in keeping the commandments so perfect in attitude and activity that he had nothing to accuse them for no they overcame him by one element initially by the blood of 
the Lamb. And they overcame by the word of their testimony. Your testimony has to be based on an understanding of what it means to be washed in the blood and to be blood-bought and what that incurs. Amen. And they love not their life, even unto the death. That's deep devotion. And that deep devotion doesn't come because he deserves it, because he demands it. It comes because he deserves it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want to serve him. I don't want to, I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to try to walk this out in my strength and show him how good I am at it. I want that grace that Paul sought. I want that forgiveness that, that's incorporated in our daily prayer life. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. There's that submit, surrender to his will, submission to his will, willingness to keep his word. Amen. Obedience marks that change of heart. Nothing marks it like this desire to obey him. A willingness on our part. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you glad that, that, that your heart has been changed from that old hard-hearted, rebellious heart to a heart that really wants to obey Him? If you're truly saved here today, you won't obey. You are going to struggle with the flesh. You know what Paul said about that in Romans 7? The Apostle Paul said, he said, you know, I, I'm in a struggle here. When I would do good... Evil presents itself. He said to know to do good. I have that. I get that. I've got that. I want that. How to do it consistently, I do not find. He said, but here's what I have discovered. There is a law, a spiritual law in my own members. My reborn spirit wars against my flesh. And my flesh wars against my spirit so that I can't do the things that I would do like I used to do. And then I can't find the, what I need to do, the things that I would do now that I'm a Christian. And, and he, he, you can see the struggle and the battle. Many people have had this. Martin Luther had it so bad that he was tormented by the fact he would fast and, and more or less try to hurt his own self to keep from, from giving in to any kind of fleshly, fleshly temptation. And even, even eating too much would overwhelm him if he did with guilt and shame. Lord, if that overwhelmed us, we'd all be in trouble over the holiday season. Can you say amen? Mike said, any season. <laughs> We're going to get real honest down here. Amen. And he said, oh, wretched. Oh, wretched. There's a, there's a part of amazing grace, a verse that says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound, but now, now I see. There's a man that stood on our platform. And I heard him say while we were singing that, I ain't no wretch. 
And I thought, oh, yes, you is. I didn't say it in those terms. Amen. Without Christ. And he was without Christ. You can be in church without Christ. You can serve in an office without Jesus. You can stand in a pulpit without Jesus. But if you have Jesus, you know what happened to you before you came to Christ. And you know the condition that you were in. In this sense, wretched didn't mean some kind of man like that man that was sleeping out on that, that bench, uh, killing himself with, with cocaine and, and crack. But wretched in the sense of someone who has fought until they are so weary of fighting, they can't find the strength or energy to fight any further. I've said it before, my youngest son, he really is into boxing. I mean, he don't box. You know, he he lives vicariously through the boxers. (laughs) They take all the hits and he just enjoys. And I sit with him and and I I don't mind telling you, I like like to see a good fight where they're really mixing it up. Amen. I don't like to be in any fights anymore. I'm too old. Amen. If you mess with me, they will get you for elder abuse. I have, I, I have got to that point in my life. And if by chance that I could still get my licks in, you would be abused by an elder. Either way, it's lose. Can you, you can't brag about beating up an old man. And you'd be so ashamed if the old man beat you up. So I try to keep people guessing. I always tell people I got one good fight left in me. Just one left after all of these years of holding back. (laughs) And I've had to hold back a time or two. Have you ever had to hold back? You know, if you held back, you crucified the flesh right then and right there. You didn't do what you would do in order to do what you know is right or what God wants you to do. Amen. Come on, let's get personal and practical about this thing. Amen. One of the most holiest people I know was Sister Pearl White. We, we came to pastor a church that she founded and she was, she was so, she was, uh, I respected her holy walk. My wife was intimidated by just her, her, she's dedicated woman. But one day she opened up and told about her personal struggles. And I thought she's on top of all of this. She's got it down. And she is. And she was. But she wasn't perfect either. She said, I had a neighbor that lived next door to me that that every day complained about something. Every single day, Brother Venable complained about something. You've got to understand this woman preached and this woman prophesied. And, and not the neighbor, but the, the, the devil was really needling her through this person she said one day that woman called me to the fence and she started complaining about something about the yard and cursed me and she said brother venerable she said i couldn't believe it was me that did this (laughs) and i thought i can't believe it's you either whatever you're gonna say (laughs) amen she said before i knew it i popped her upside the head i said you didn't she said i did and she said, I, I told her immediately, I said, please, please, please forgive me. This is not my nature. I, I'm a Christian. I, I, don't know, I don't know what came over me. Well, I know what comes over us. Can you say amen? Amen. I felt it coming over me. Amen. I mean, it's hard. 
It's hard. I worked for Tampa Electric. I saw people get angry. I saw them get angry. I worked for five years for Tampa Electric Company out on a line crew. And there's some tough guys out there. I mean, they'd come in hungover. And, 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 and I, re- I remember them telling me just after I got there, they, they were showing me where the axe was, you know, and where the stuff was on the line truck that I was going to drive and operate to hang transformers and set poles. And, and I remember there was a lineman way up, way up working. And he started cursing the guy on the ground for sending him the wrong thing up the hand line. And the guy on the ground lost it. He lost it. He just went, you know, crazy. And he went over and and he said, you come down right now. He was up on that pole. He told him, come down right now. You get down here right now. I mean, he's ready to, you know. And the guy, you know, the guy saw he went off his nut. He went crazy. He wasn't going to come down. I mean, you know. I mean, that's like telling a squirrel, you come down here. The squirrels ain't coming, ain't going to happen. Well, he went over to the line truck, and he got the axe. And those poles are big around, but this guy is really mad. And he goes over, and he said, you're coming down one way or the other, and he's chopping the pole with an axe. I mean, guy, you know, you either shimmy down the pole or it's going to fall with you on it. And, and there's electric wires up there. Somebody's going to die. And they come said, man, put down that axe, put down that axe, put down that axe, put it down, put it down. We're going to call the cops, put it down, put it down, put it down. And you know what? He didn't put it down, but them poles, them 60-foot poles, they're big around. And I'm gonna, it takes, they're hard, too. He just got arm weary. And you know, when, you, when you're getting some of that anger out, when you get some of that anger out, then you don't feel as mad as you did. So if you really get mad, go find a big tree way out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> Attack that sucker. I'm, I'm going to tell you how this works. This is psychology in, in Japan. In those production lines in Japan where they produce mass production, they, they're, they're on peace count. And it's high pressure. And sometimes people break under the pressure. And they, they have a room. And, and they, have, they have like, it's like a soft pillowy mannequin type thing in there. And they send that person who's lost it before they lose their job and lose their temper and do something they regret. They send them, they give them time out. But when they go to that room, there's something to do. Because you can visualize your boss <laughs> and just go beating on that thing. And they beat and they beat and they beat and some of that anger gets out. And then they go out and they work it out. But they have to get it out before they can work it out. Paul said, I am, oh, wretched, this law is unchangeable. It can't be broken. The spirit and the flesh will always be in conflict as a Christian. God is going to tell you things to do that your flesh will say, seriously? Honestly? Okay, here's one for you to try and emphasize. Love your enemy. I mean, really love your enemy. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for your enemy. And do good 
your flesh is going to say, seriously? If a man smite, now this is not self-defense when someone's trying to hurt your family or kill you. This is when your ego is hurt. And, and if someone smites you on one side of the face, turn the other cheek. Now that's against our flesh, isn't it? They hit you, you want to hit back. I remember a preacher telling the story. He said, uh, he said they called me when, when I was going to college. And he was spirit-filled, and it was a spirit-filled Bible school. He said they called me because said there was a guy that came to visit a guy in college, and they went to pray for him, and he was demon-possessed. And they were going to lay hands on him, and he started swinging at them. And they didn't know their spiritual authority to stop that. So they called this guy because he, he had had some occasions where he had dealt with, you know, casting out devils. And, and he said, I got in that room. And he said the guy was standing right by the bed. And he was swinging at anybody that got near him. And I called him out. And I called the devil to come out of him. And that guy took a swing at me and said, I ducked. And before I knew it, he said, instead of waiting on Jesus to go to work on him, <laughs> he, said, he said, I whacked him on the jaw and knocked him out on that bed. Well, when he woke up, they went ahead and prayed for him. You know, he apologized to him for knocking him out. You know, that that's not how you generally cast out devils by knocking the person out. <laughs> he said, I had to learn <laughs> just back off and, and call upon the Lord and let the Lord. I've seen people fall out under the power of God. Didn't have to touch them and they couldn't touch you. I remember a missionary coming here from Africa that we used to support in Africa, part of independent assemblies of God international. And, and, and they were so used to demon demonstrations in the mission field. She said, and, and the way she did it was kind of casual. I mean, you know, she said there, we went to one village to preach the gospel and the devil tried to interrupt the preaching of the gospel and said a, a man got down, a woman rather, got down on her hands and knees and started roaring like a lion and running at me. This was the missionary's wife. And she said, my husband's up there preaching the gospel and the devil's trying to interrupt it all. And she said, I looked over and said, in the name of Jesus, you crazy devil, you stop right there. And said that woman like put on the brakes. After the service, they prayed for her and God delivered her and set her free. But it was just common to in, in, encounter that kind of spiritual opposition to the gospel because it's powerful. <sighs> Let's move back to Paul in Romans 7. I find a law in my members. The spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. When I would do good, I don't find what I need to do it. And I keep failing. I keep faltering. Oh, wretched, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of sin? We're almost through down to the next to the last verse of Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. That word wretched means worn out from a fight to the point that there's no fight left in you. And when Christians get to that place, we start giving up on ourselves, giving up on our victory, sometimes giving in to defeat and depression. God wants you to know that he is in your corner. 
you got a good cut man in your corner. Can you say amen? you got an encourager in your corner. One thing I hate to see in boxing is somebody that's so frustrated because their guy is doing the best he can that's not good enough that he starts berating him. The last thing you need today when you are down for the count is somebody to tell you how rotten and sorry a fighter you are. Can you say, man, you don't need that. I mean, you may be in that condition, but you don't need anybody telling you how awful you are. You need somebody in your corner, amen, doing what I've heard them do. They were lying. I'm going to tell you the truth today, but they, they would actually lie to the guy. That guy is whomping them he's whooping them (laughs) and they're beat up and one eye is half closed and their lip is swelled and blood is coming out the corner down out of their nose and and i'd hear the good guy the good corner man now this is he would tell him he'd say listen he's getting tired (laughs) he's getting tired I remember a preacher in this town church of god pastor that was also a trainer at a boxing gym, and he was bivocational. He was preaching the gospel, fighting the devil on Sunday, and and teaching a man to fight in a ring, literally, here in Tampa. So anyway, they said, someone in his church said, Pastor, and Brother Hobbs was telling me this, said, Pastor, because Brother Hobbs went there. He said, they said, why don't you come over Saturday night? We'd like to have you over for dinner. He said, I'd love to come. I'll have to take a rain check because my fighter that I'm training has got a big fight coming up tonight. If he wins this fight, he moves up the ranks. And they said, well, we'll pray for him. In other words, to do well. And he said, oh, no, I trained him. Don't pray for him. Pray for the other guy. <laughs> Just say, man, he's going to win. The other guy's going to need the prayer. We need somebody in our corner not to lie to us when we're getting beat up and tell us that the devil is going to back off soon. He's never going to come back. He's going to back off and let you alone. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He One thing you've got to give him, he's consistent. He never he accuses us before God how consistently day and night. He never relents. He never lets up. But we need somebody to tell us the truth. And Paul is going to see that truth and tell us the truth. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Amen. I thank God. Through Jesus Christ, he looked to the Lord for what he did not possess in himself. He found out when he was weak and looked to God, sufficiency of God's grace through Christ made him strong. It's not just having the Holy Spirit. It's receiving the grace of God. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. There's power through the Holy Spirit. But this is not power to do miracles. This is not dunamis, which means miracle working ability. This is power to say no to what we know is wrong. This is the power of restraint. This is the power that holds us back from slapping someone upside the head that really, really needs slapping upside the head. It's power to obey God. It's power to say no to self, to deny ourselves, which is the first prerequisite for following Jesus, isn't it?
Because if you don't deny self, self don't want no cross, no part of a cross. Amen. Are you getting this today? And you get tired and you feel like a failure. And the devil wants you to get down and stay down. God wants you to get up and stay up. Hallelujah. My son and I, we watched a fight not too many months ago where our, the heavyweight champion here in America fought another heavyweight from England. And in that particular fight, the heavyweight champion from America knocked the man down. And he knocked him down with one of those. He's knocking every person out. No one gets up when he knocks them down. But he knocked him down and they thought the fight was over. And the man got up. And he knocked him down again. And everybody thought the fight is over. And the man got up. And he didn't just get up. He came back and almost knocked the guy out that knocked him down twice. You know what God wants to happen today? He wants some Christians that have been knocked down to get up. The fight ain't over if you get up. It's only over if you stay down. Can you say amen? Paul said, I'm down, but I'm not out. I don't know what to do, but I know one who can help me. And I'm looking to him and not myself. I don't find in myself what I need, but he's got everything I need. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the Bible is written in chapter and verse for the purpose of translation. It wasn't written that way in the letter to Rome. It was written as a letter with a comma many times instead of a chapter change. And all that's here is a comma before the next verse. I'm going to read it, the last of Romans 7 into the first of Romans 8. The last of Romans 7, the last two verses, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Now, Everything changed. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How many has been saved here? You know what happened? How many has been baptized in water? Let me tell you something. There's a baptism that is far beyond just going down in the water part of your testimony and confession. Amen. The Bible said when you get saved... We have been baptized by one spirit into one body. And guess whose body that is? It's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we assemble together that have been baptized into his body, we become a building fitly framed together for a habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Paul is saying now, now that I have come to Christ and now that I have looked to Christ, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Can you say amen? I want, I want to get that focus before we finish that verse. Paul used the Grecian games many times to identify the Christian journey and the Christian experience and and he said, let's lay aside every weight 
and sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience. The word here is perseverance. It's getting up. It's not never getting knocked down. It's always getting up. Christian victory is always getting up, not never getting knocked down. You've got to understand that. I wish there was a place in God that you never got discouraged. You never found your faith wavering. You never, you never just give up on yourself and therefore gave up on God. But there's no such place. But there is a place where God doesn't give up on you. And you begin to put your trust in him exclusively and not in yourself. Can you say amen? You know what Paul said about himself with all of his credentials? In my flesh, there's still no good thing. It can't be reformed. It can't be conformed. It has to be crucified. I have to recognize, I have to reckon, mathematical term in the Greek, reckon, to count it as, I reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. Can you say amen? I count myself as dead. That, that, that desire to strike out, that desire to strike back, that desire is in me, but I count myself as dead to that. I do not owe and any kind of allegiance to my weak flesh. I owe my allegiance to Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You are bought. You are bought. This is the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You are bought with a price. And you are not your own. And if you recognize that and apply that, you offer your body a living sacrifice. You're bought. You've been paid for. You're, you're, you're marked as God's own. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. And that word sealed is not like, it does mean preserve in this sense, in the fact that you are owned by God. He has ownership, but you have to give yourself away. He's paid for you, but you still have to give yourself away. Offer beseech you by the mercies of God offer your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord which is your oh holy how can I make myself holy to offer my no no there's an Old Testament principle brother Taylor knows it well the gift doesn't sanctify the altar That lamb doesn't make that altar holy. That altar makes the lamb holy. The gift don't sanctify the altar. The altar sanctifies the gift. And the moment that you offer your body, hallelujah, spiritually and figuratively speaking, amen, to God, the holiness is granted positionally and personally. And the power to walk it out and live it out. Don't give up on God. And don't give up on your sad self. And your bad self. How many know you got a bad self? Everybody. Amen. Alaskan missionary to the Inuit. Is it the Inuit people up in the Arctic or Alaska? The Eskimo people. Establishes a church. 
puts a man in charge that's called to preach, comes back a year later to see the progress. A lot of people have gotten saved, comes to the pastor. He says, Pastor, how are you doing spiritually? Been a long time since I've heard from you. How are you doing spiritually? He said in his own way of stating what was going on, real similar to Paul. He said, there are two dogs in me, and they fight all the time. He said, there's a good dog, and there's a bad dog, and they're at each other continuously. He said, well, which one usually wins? He said, there's one that always wins. He said, which one? He said, the one I feed the most. The stronger one that is fed the most is going to win that fight. But you know what? Jesus said, my my body is the true bread. Hallelujah. And the true meat. And my blood is the true drink. And he that eats of my body, I thank God through Jesus Christ, he that eats of my body drinks of my blood. Amen. Will never hunger and will never thirst. The word of God is spiritual food for your soul. You need to feed your soul on the word of God because I'm going to tell you, you'll get fit for the fight. Can you say, man, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and not just faith, but believe, but fidelity. Amen. Hallelujah. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. Romans 8, 30 and 31. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth, not just up here in the gray matter, not just in your cerebrum uh, and cerebral, cerebellum and all of that makes up the brain and the thinking part of you, but you will not just know it intellectually, you will know it experientially. When you start applying the word, you'll find out it works. Hallelujah. When you take it to heart, Hallelujah. When you take it to heart, it's going to make a difference in your heart. Praise God. Amen. You feed your spirit man and your spirit man will rise up and take authority over your flesh man. Praise God in heaven. And you'll want to, but you won't. You'll want to, but you won't. You'll win this battle. But if you keep giving in to the flesh and making excuses for it. I'm glad I didn't just stay in clergy world. I'm glad I went out back into the workforce. I remember I worked in a production plant for, what, seven years. And uh, won some awards for, you know, I just... Did a good job. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto God, not unto men. For you'll be rewarded of the Lord Christ. And he rewarded me with health and strength and a testimony. And when I left, they stopped the production plant. A whole production plant stopped. And the plant manager shut her down at Winn-Dixie. And went to Publix and got me a cake. Now that's an honor. <laughs> that's an honor. Amen. Hallelujah. And and uh, <laughs> and they gave me gave me honor before I left. But I remember one night it got so bad. Had big old gray tubs with rollers on them to put 
these plastic bottles we manufactured that went straight over and got filled up. And I remember one night it got so bad. I mean, I was threatened to get T-shirts. I know I'm going to heaven. I've already been to blow mold. That You'll have to think about that a little while. It was bad. They threw me. <laughs> they threw me in the lion's den. Everybody was upset. We had a safety man come. High strung. Oh, he was high strung. Gung ho. Oh, he was gung ho. He come in to show us all how to do that job safely and to do it swiftly. And I was on the safety committee, and I said, if you push us to do things too swift and we can't be safe at the same time, and they didn't like to hear that. That's bad, bad. So they brought a guy in, efficiency expert, and he was about 38 years old, and he had been to some body that taught him how to whatever. You know, he didn't do our job, but he was boss over us. You know the type, know-it-all that came in. He knew it all. Well, uh, he come in, and, uh, and he was going to show us how to get it done swiftly. And safely. And there's all these pulleys with these cables running all those conveyors. And one of them got stuck. And he went up because something got in the pulley and and trying to jam it. And it was jerking like that. And he ran up the ladder. Gung-ho he was. He ran up the ladder. He reached out with his hand. He's going to do it swiftly and safely. And it took his finger off just behind the knuckle of his index finger. Well, there's blood all over the floor, and they can't find his finger. You know, they called the hazmat team when there's blood, you know, anywhere because of blood-borne carcinogens. And, and oh, that's, that was the shift just before we come in. You know, and we come in and they're just cleaning up and cranking back up again. And the safety guy that came to show us how to do it has done got his finger cut off. And it was hard not to laugh. But that's no laughing matter. (laughs) It was hard not to gloat. Because a part of me thought, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, uh uh-huh. See? Yeah, see, look what you, yeah, yeah, didn't we tell you? You can't keep pushing people. Things are going to happen. You want us to go faster? You want us to be safe? Make up your mind. Lost time accident. They didn't like that at headquarters. So our shift finishes, and we're cleaning up. A lady I worked with, she said, Rev, Rev, Is this what I think it is? (laughs) It had took that finger off and slung it way over in the corner. And we were cleaning up and getting ready for the next shift. And and I walked over and I said, it sure is. (laughs) I went and got my, my plastic gloves and put them on. Got a little, little bottle that they took samples for the lab in. And I went over and and got that part of the finger, put it down in that bottle, put the top on it, wanted to take it in, and, you know, just in case. It's too late to sew it back on. I mean, it was on his his right hand, too. I I don't know how he's going to pick his nose. I don't. I mean, you ever tried with another finger? 
I mean, you know, it's... I know none of you ever pick your nose or anything because we're too sophisticated. We don't talk about things like that in our church. But it was hard not to gloat. You understand? Y'all was laughing. Don't look at me. You, <laughs> yeah, he got it good enough for him. No, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't. The man lost the tip of his finger. That's a bad thing. It's too late to put it back on. It's been laying in the floor over in the corner for eight hours. So I imagine his, his efficiency expert showing people how to do it swift and safe went out the window. And we tried to tell them, but all they had in view was production, production, production but don't have a lost time accident but hurry up hurry up we took shortcuts we should have never taken he took a shortcut he should have never taken it would have been all right to shut it down for 30 seconds remove the problem and crank it right back up go home with all of your appendages a lady did the same thing she went over and she's pushed to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. And the bottles are going through a chopper that chops the end off and leaves it perfect. And there's a bottle turned the wrong way, and she reaches to get it, and it grabs her hand, takes it right into that thing that chops off the ends, and it goes completely through her hand. There's a hole completely through her hand. And we wrap her up in in, in as much gauze that we can wrap up tight while we're waiting on EMS to come and there's this big puddle of blood on the floor and Hazmat's team is coming to clean the blood up and she went through months of reconstructive surgery came back to work early because they didn't want to pay her for being off. I'm just telling you things that can get upsetting to you after a while. And, and then when she came back and couldn't, couldn't do anything with that hand, they let her go. They fired her. So one night it was getting really bad, and I had seen all this, and it had all been building. They wouldn't listen to nobody. And there's big old gray tub there and I just I thought I got to get this out and they didn't have no room for you to go to and beat up a pillow or something so I reached up and I did my best I can't even show you now that was a long time ago (laughs) but I kicked that tub over that's right your preacher your pastor a godly man kicked that I kicked that tub over I kicked it over it didn't hurt the tub at all I went over and picked the tub back up and looked up, and there was somebody looking at me. Oh, and if you think it's just me before we close, John Hagee. Have you ever seen him on TV? John Hagee. (laughs) You probably heard him tell the story. He said, I was at an intersection that had, it was a four-lane intersection. In where is he, Pastor? San San Antonio. He said there was a lady in front of me. He said the light went through a change and she didn't move forward quick enough and we're stuck there again. He said, I'm sitting in my car thinking, lady, if you don't 
jump out there when that light turns, we're going to be sitting here through another light change. He said, I rolled down my window, put my head out the window, and I hollered to the top of my lungs, Lady, move it or lose it. And I looked over right beside me on that four-lane stop. And there was a family that attends my church. And one of the kids in the back said, Hi, Pastor Hagee. He said, I felt like crawling right down in the floorboard. Because what happened? What happened? You know, God wants us to see this. We, we have this treasure i got to hurry, but I'm having such fun today. Amen. We're going to stand up. Some of you are going to stand up. Some of you are going to get up. God is raising an army up, and He wants you to be part of it. He don't want you to be down for the count. He wants you to be counted on when you get back up. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? We have this treasure. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power when we get victory and when we overcome may be of God and not of ourselves. We don't take the credit for any victory. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the praise. Hallelujah. We acknowledge by the grace of God I am what I am. And without the grace of God, I am nothing. And apart from Him, I can do nothing. Can you say, man? But that's okay because I'm never going to be apart from him because he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. He said, I apologize to the whole congregation because I couldn't find the people (laughs) that saw me fail. We have this treasure. Now, Paul's identifying with you and me today. We have this treasure in the earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We are cast down. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. That word persecuted means chaste as a deer. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants you to give up on God. He wants you to give in to the flesh. He wants you to count yourself out, even if God don't count you out. He wants, you to, he wants to knock you down, and he wants you to stay down. Because if you get back up, the fight isn't over. I said, if you, some fighters got a glass jaw. They're very good fighters till you hit them. Amen. You know what a glass jaw means? It means they can't take a punch. We got too many glass jawed Christians that can't take a punch. Amen. We need, we need, and as my son says, uh, we need some, some, some fighters with a granite jaw. A granite jaw. He calls it a granite jaw. He gets a lot of things wrong. I'm working on him. Amen. <laughs> I'm working on him. We we lived in a mobile home park, had a utility shed and, and a place to park the car. <laughs> sister Sister Carol came to our house to visit us. Carol Kimball now, uh, and Carol Pogue used to be used to sing up on the platform with us. And <laughs> Matthew's standing out there. <laughs> she she said, Matthew, 
says, you need to close your barn door. You know, his, his zipper wasn't fixed where it ought to be. He turned around and went and closed the door to the utility room. <laughs> I immediately said, I got to have a long talk with you. <laughs> I got to have a long. <laughs> you know, some young people don't know these old sayings. You know what I mean? They're out of touch. You got you to be specific and say, your zipper needs zipping up. They'll go close doors that have nothing to do with that. How many people ever heard close your barn door? Oh, good. We got some people in my class in here now. Hallelujah. You know, we've had a good time today. But that war is real. And Satan is capitalizing on it. Paul said we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. You see, the treasure... Is so precious, powerful, and wonderful. Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. But it's in an earthen vessel. We are cast down, but not forsaken. Isn't it good that God doesn't draw back? Hallelujah. He reaches way down for you and way down for me. We are cast down, but not forsaken. We're perplexed. Oh, wretched man that I am, how, who shall deliver me? But we're not in despair because we know who the deliverer is. Can you say, man, hallelujah. We are persecuted, chased as a deer with the intent to destroy by the enemy, but we are not destroyed. Hallelujah. Cast down, but not forsaken. You know what that means? We get up. We get down, but we get up. Hallelujah. And when we get up, when we get up, the fight is still on, and we can still win the battle. When all is said and done and the smoke of battle has cleared, we'll be standing, and the devil will be the one that's missing the finger. Hallelujah. The accusing finger. Here's the drop mic partner. Mic has cost too much to drop on the floor like you've seen sometimes. What more shall we say to these things? What more shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. It's Christ that died. Yea, and is risen again for our justification. Can you say, man, hallelujah, that disarms the devil. And it revives you and me to get up and go on for God in spite of every accusing fear. There may be people will never forgive and never forget. But God forgives. God forgets. And it's the best corner man you can have in the fight that we're in. Can you say man? Somebody give him praise in this room. Hallelujah. Would you bring that up? Romans 8, as we bring this back up, oh, take you through the fire again. Can, you, can we go right there? So, listen, we're going to close with this today. Romans 8, now therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. These are not wholesale sinners that rebel against God and let the flesh rule them. These are Christians that struggle with our weak flesh, but we win that battle. Hallelujah. Because now God 
through the blood of Jesus has justified us. Praise God, and he has sanctified us, and he has cleansed us, and he's put a new heart within us, and that's why the battle is going on between the flesh and spirit. If you were not born again, there would be no battle. Your flesh would rule, and you'd give in, and that's the end of it. But because you've been born again, the battle is on, and it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. But thank God it's a battle we can win through Christ. Can you say, man, how, how many's had some fiery trials, some difficulties in life? How many's had some struggles with your own weak flesh? Amen. How many are encouraged today that there is victory in Jesus for you and me? And we can stand up again and get back in the race and go on for God in this last generation.